0: In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Bobby and Connie and Wendy, the grandchildren, all the members of the family, and all you brothers and sisters in Christ, the text is the gospel reading I heard earlier. And In John 11, when Lazarus became ill, what did Mary and Martha do? Do you remember? They sent an urgent message to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your friend, your friend, he's sick. They hoped that Jesus would come quickly. He doesn't. In fact, he appears rather nonchalant about the whole thing. And if you know all of John 11, Jesus waits a couple of days before going to Bethany. He could have saved Lazarus's life. He could have rushed over to the house that he knew so well and healed Lazarus as easily as he healed the blind man's eyes or changed water into wine. But he doesn't. Jesus intentionally waits. And Jesus intentionally did nothing. He assures the disciples earlier in John 11 that the illness was not unto death. You see, even when Jesus knew that Lazarus was dead, he seemed to downplay it, saying, he's asleep and I'm going to wake him up. That's how it is with Jesus. Death is merely a sleep from which he wakes us. To our eyes, to our reason and our senses, to our from below view of things, Death is the last word, the final exit, the grand finale. It's over, curtains, you're done for, pushing up daisies, dead and gone. And yet, Jesus says, Lazarus is asleep, and I'm going to wake him up. Jesus lets his best friend die, and Jesus even says that he's glad about it. In John 11, he says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Jesus let his good friend Butch die too, because Jesus knows what he will do with Butch. He will awaken him from death and the grave. Now, in John 11, I don't think Mary and Martha were too pleased with the Lord. After all, because when Jesus finally shows up, they've already had what? They've already had the funeral. They've already had the committal. Martha runs down the road to meet him. If you'd come when we called you Jesus, our brother would not have died. I can hear the anguish in her voice. I can hear her frustration. Because Jesus healed so many other people in his ministry. Strangers, foreigners, Samaritans. So why in the world wouldn't Jesus take the time to heal his best friend? He could have just said a word as he did with the centurion's servant. Why in the world doesn't Jesus do anything? How could he let his best friend die? Or, for that matter, your dad or grandpa. We're all like Martha, aren't we? Yeah, we are. I know for a fact we are. We want an activist, interventionist, Jesus, who drops everything he's doing to run to our assistance. Jesus on Demand! Jesus, the 24 7 fix it Messiah. What we get instead in John 11 is the Jesus who delays and who does nothing at first, who even makes light of our death as though it were merely an afternoon nap on a hot day. And it just galls us when Jesus doesn't act when we want on our demand. We get upset, don't we? I know I do, when people don't return my urgent texts or they don't come rushing to help me when I need them. And double that when it's God in the flesh. Triple it when he's supposed to be your, your friend. Still, in spite of her frustration and grief, there's some hope that glimmers a faintly burning wick in this bruised, weird reed. Martha says, even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give that to you. You see in Martha's eyes. Jesus is someone with a special in with God. And that's why she called him. He's got a a special hotline with God. He channels divine powers. But Jesus, Jesus wants to take Martha beyond her belief in a faith healer to faith and trust in him as the resurrection and the life. Now Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And Martha responds and says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the the last day. She learned that very well in her synagogue school. But Jesus goes beyond the hope of one future day to the hope here and now in him. Jesus reveals himself to be the object of her faith and hope. You believe in the resurrection, Martha? I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, He will live. He will die, but in his death he will live, believing in me. And whoever lives and believes in me never dies forever. For a while, but not forever. And then comes the big question. Do you believe this? That's the big question for Martha and for all of us gathered here today. Does she, does Martha, and do all of you believe not simply in the resurrection to come, but in the resurrection and the life that is standing right in front of Martha. Does she and do you believe that this Jesus is indeed the source of the resurrection and the life? Well, Martha does believe something. She says, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the son of God who's coming into the world. But does she she know what this means? Does she know what sort of Christ Jesus is? Does she know that for Jesus to be the resurrection and the life He must what? Suffer, die, and be buried. Does she realize that in order to defeat death and the grave, Jesus must die? And to bring resurrection and the life, Jesus must go to the grave and on the third day, rise victoriously. Do you believe this? That question jumps straight out of the text into our ears this morning as we get ready to bury Butch. This calls for faith. Brothers and sisters, it's one thing to trust that Jesus can heal your sickness or turn your water into wine. But it's quite another thing to trust Jesus with Butch's death and with yours. It would have been great if Jesus had rushed to Bethany when he was called. He would have spared Mary and Martha their grief and his friend Lazarus, the agony of death. He could have saved the day, and his friends would have been grateful to him. But they would not have thought any more of him than that he was someone whom God listened to and would do whatever he asked of God. In John's Gospel, the Samaritan woman, the man born blind, and now here in John 11, Mary and Martha, all believed that Jesus was some kind of great prophet, a man of God with God's special favor in John 11 Jesus pushes them all further and deeper into the truth of who he really is to do this what does Jesus do he lets his best friend die he leaves things as they are in our lives as well and then he asks all of you do you trust me do you trust me when i hear your prayers and appear to be doing nothing at all <laughs> Do you trust me when I let Lazarus die, or when I let your dad or grandpa die? Do you trust me when I will let you die someday? Well, Jesus then marches to the tomb and he commands the stone to be rolled away. And Martha, of course, she's apprehensive. Oh, there's going to be a stench. He's been dead four days, you know. And Jesus responds, didn't I tell you to trust me and that you'd see the glory of God? And then he prays to the Father, and then he shouts into the tomb, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb alive, unbound from the chains of death in the grave. And all it takes is a word from Jesus. And death must obey its master. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Trust him, and you live in spite of your death. Trust him, and you will never die forever. Butch, you, me, and all of us are Lazarus. We're sick unto death with sin. The wages of sin is death, scripture says, and that disease is fatal. We're born to die, and we call on Jesus to save us, free us from this sin sickness of ours, free us from this deep corruption of our humanity that fouls all of our thoughts, all of our words and deeds. And it seems like Jesus does nothing. Yeah, we're baptized, but we seem to be no better in our life Our sins have been washed away by water and the word, and yet we keep going on sinning. We hear the word, and most of the time it seems to go in one ear and out the other. We eat and drink the sacrament of Christ's body and blood that strengthens and preserves us in body and soul, and yet we seem to grow weaker in body and soul, and like Butch and like Lazarus, we all will die. But now I want you to listen really carefully. You know what the thing about being dead is? is that the dead can't do anything. They can only be dead. That's right. Just as a blind man can't open his own eyes to see the light shining on him, Lazarus could do nothing but be stone-cold dead. And now so too, Butch. That's our contribution to our resurrection and life, to be (laughs) stone-cold dead. And Jesus lets it happen to us. And he says, do you trust me? You trust me with your colds? You trust me with your flus? You trust me with your cancers and clogged arteries? With your endless problems and dilemmas in your life? Now, will you trust me with your death? I'm the resurrection and the life! Trust me. And you will live in spite of your death. Live in me and trust in me and you will never die forever. So seriously, folks... What is the worst thing that can happen to you? That you die? I've been there and done that. A long time ago, Butch was declared dead by God when his death certificate was already filled out. What day was that? I'll tell you what happened. It was January 28, 1934, when he was baptized. Because there, Butch died in Christ's Good Friday death and his life was hidden in Christ. And you two who are baptized have been buried By baptism into Christ's death. So, the life that you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave his life for you. Jesus is your resurrection. Jesus is your life. I beg you, trust him like Butch did and you will live even though you die. Trust him like Butch did and you live in and through your death. Trust him like Butch did and you never die forever that is as sure as Jesus himself who is risen from the dead and who lives and reigns to all eternity. There can be no doubt about this. Because Jesus is the resurrection. He is the life. And dying in him, you live. What joy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We stand for prayer.